Trust me, I know what I'm doing. Hello and welcome to 60MW. I'm Chris and I am joined, as always, by my partner in crime. It's Mr. Adam Parry. Hello. Hello, Mr. Tossbag. How art thou? I'm <laughs> very well, thank you very much. Uh, thank you for that. Um, right. I meant it. I meant it with love. Well, as always, yes. Um, mm. Now, Adam, it's it's an Hello. amazing day for us. <laughs> Shut up! It's an amazing day for us, isn't it? Um, because it's not just me and you on this call. We've been infiltrated, haven't we? Yeah, not by Ben, though. No, no, thank fuck. We've been invaded, haven't we? We have. We've been. By... Um, oh, is it force forcefully fisted? Well, yeah, I'm hoping, anyway. Or sexually anally caressed. <laughs> well, either one's good for me. I'll, you know, I'll take any action these days. Um, <laughs> but we have been joined for this episode, whether it's just one episode or whether it'll be a regular guest appearance or maybe it's just pure coincidence, convenience, because we're doing something straight afterwards. Who knows? We are joined by the silky smooth voice that is Mr. Alan Sanders. Hello, Alan. Oh, guys, don't be cruel. I'm all shook up, really, deep inside. Thank you so much. <laughs> and, oh, Alan, I hope you're going to be my teddy bear on this particular episode. Look, anything that we can do to rock the jailhouse is fine with me. <laughs> I can't think of any more Elvis puns. I'm sure they will come up. Um yeah, don't step on my blue side shoes. And there's no context for that, so I'll just shut up now. Um, anyway, Alan, <laughs> how are you doing? No, seriously, thank you so much. You know what? I love the Spotlight Reflection shows. You start off with just films, and I always look forward to them because a lot of them I've seen, and I thought the same thing that you guys are doing for your premise, would movies hold up if you look back? And then now you're doing it with the television show. I never watched Sledgehammer. I remember seeing the advertisements. But as you started going down the path of talking about them, I've gone to YouTube and watched them afterwards. I ended up getting caught and caught up. And the fact that I'm actually on one of these is a little surreal now because I feel like I'm eavesdropping. I feel like I'm intruding into your world. No, you're more than welcome. And I'm really pleased that, you know, you have checked out Sledgehammer because uh, I knew that you hadn't really watched it at all. So uh, it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts on this particular episode. And uh, obviously you're bringing all of your knowledge and expertise of doing all the Wild Ride minute by minute stuff, which, you know, puts us to shame, doesn't it, Adam? Let's be honest. Oh, yeah. We've got none of that. We just dribble on it for about an hour. Yes, we uh, we write down some shitty notes, try and read them, at, <laughs> and you know, hopefully something cogent comes out, at, at, and you know, at the end that people enjoy listening to. I actually haven't said you did it for me, Alan. See, that's as much of a fucking pro you are. You introduce the the, the actual show that we're doing when I forget. Uh, yes, this is a spotlight reflection TV episode, and we are talking about everything to do with Sledgehammer, which ran for two years in 1986 to 1988. Starring David Raish as Inspector Sledgehammer. And we are going to be talking about, in this particular episode, episode 7, which is titled All Shook Up, as some of the Elvis puns uh, will have, uh, I guess, given you a clue, is to do with Elvis. Um, so, are, are you excited for this, Adam? Did you say Adam or Alan? Adam! I was, I was okay, thinking the thought. same thing. <laughs> <laughs> am I, am I excited honest. for it? 
Um, well, I suppose so. I don't know, should I be more, should I be more excited over this episode? Well, yes, because we're joined by Alan. Well, I know the hat, but I, I thought you were referring to the actual, you know, show itself. I thought are you wanting me to be more woo about this one? No, no. Well, it, it's going to be good. They're always good fun. I mean, there yeah. there are what forty? Did we say forty four episodes of Sledgehammer? But if we go Something through like that, yeah, yeah. If we go from uh, series one to series two, um, but we may decide at one point we're going to move on to something else because we're uh, we're a bit fed up of it. But so far, we are actually enjoying Sledgehammer. Um, it's a show that I used to watch when I was a kid. Not every episode. I haven't seen every single episode, or at least I don't think I have. Um, but you, you've never seen them before. So this is a brand new experience for you as well, isn't it? Exactly. Never heard of it. Never saw it. And yes, I thought it was a serious cop drama. <laughs> Just a bat- that was hysterical in episode one when you said it took me about 10 minutes to go oh oh now now it's starting to click yeah it was just the what was it the sniper on- a, little, a little silly for a drama yeah, what, yeah. what was the clue the, the sniper uh, on the roof being taken out by a bazooka um was that, was that a clue no because it, it started off if i recall rightly there was a bloke kidnapping someone and i thought he, he was acting a bit mongy and I thought, this doesn't seem very serious, but I still went with it. It was only when they started punning with the mayor. And then I was like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't even get it from the intro sequence. So. <laughs> Never mind. Uh, Adam is a bit special. Um, as, uh, as our guests of, uh, not guests, sorry, our listeners of... That, uh, that's co- what my uncle always told me. <laughs> um, anyway, moving on very swiftly... Um, this particular episode uh, was shown or aired in America on the 7th of November, 1986. How about that? What were you doing in November, 1986? I'm not going to ask you specifically on the 7th of November, Alan. I'd be amazed if you couldn't remember. Well, oh. since my brother's birthday is the 8th, we were probably getting ready for his birthday as he was getting ready to turn 14. Wow. And I would be getting ready 10 days later to be turning 16 in 1986. Wow. So... Yeah, yeah. I mean, chances are we were probably, if if it wasn't already out on video, because earlier that summer we probably had become fixated on the movie Aliens, and we probably had it on VHS, and we're burning that VHS copy out almost every day. Wow. So that, you can actually recall what you were doing. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> actually, had you asked any other date, I would have been like, Duh. but it's ironic you picked November 7th. Um, yeah, uh, I Honestly, I was uh, here in Georgia. Uh, we had moved from Detroit the year prior. 1985 was a big year for, uh, for me, uh, making that transition. Uh, supposed to be going to my first high school as a high schooler and getting a relocation all the way down from Detroit, which is in the northern part of the United States, down to just north of Atlanta in the southern part of the United States. Talk about culture shock and a complete change in the middle of high school. Might explain a lot about all of my particular peculiarities and, and, and mental mental problems. <laughs> um, well, that's pretty amazing. So now, Adam, I'm going to put you on the spot yeah. now. Um, <laughs> this, this is beyond coincidence. Um, that day was the first time I ever got 50 out of 50 in the spelling test we had at school. Are you serious? Yeah, we used to write it in a little red book. Weirdly, we had this weird sort of, I don't know, a paper size that doesn't exist really, but it's like a little thin red book, and that was our spelling test book every week. And that day I came top of the class. Are you you genuinely being serious? It was with the word beautiful. (laughs) 
telling. I can't tell if he's being serious or not. And the fact of the matter with Adam, it works either way. Fair enough. Wow, that's amazing. But what I was actually going to ask you, um, Adam, is uh, this episode was released in the UK on the 6th of March, 1988. So, you know, a couple of years later. What were you doing then? 1988, 6th of March. That was... I think that was the day before my uncle and aunt's engagement party. Okay. No, no, you're fucking with me. Yeah. No, we, we, I, I couldn't tell you where it was, but there, <clears throat> there was a three-course meal. My brother gave me too much coke at night, which means I didn't sleep, which pissed my mom and dad off. And uh, yeah, spent all day getting muddy with uh, two of my cousins outside. Not in a sexual way, just you know, being kids. <laughs> Well, listeners, if you you can tell me if you think Adam's telling the truth or not. It's like that TV program, isn't it? W- would I lie to you or something? Um, I, have oh, no I, would, I would lie to you, but am I lying now? Who knows? I do. Uh, well, there you go. Um, so I would have been 12, and I have no idea what I was doing in March 1988. I have ha. no, no idea what Who's doing. special now? Thanks for that, Adam. <laughs> Anyway, um, right, shall we get into the episode? Um, So this was directed by Jackie Cooper, who's directed a few episodes of Sledgehammer. As I've said before, he played Perry White in the Superman movies with Christopher Reeve. I'm sure you can picture him now I've said that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yes, um, as we said, this is um, an episode revolving around uh, Elvis, um, but it doesn't actually feature any Elvis music in it, um, which I did find out a little bit of um, trivia around that, uh, in as much as that apparently the Elvis estate thought it was very disrespectful. Um, so they, they weren't allowing any music of his to be played in the particular episode. Um, but there are a couple of, let's say, mumbled lines that you can hear later on, which we'll, mm-hmm. I guess we'll get to. Um but before I get to, we actually get into the episode, how many notes have you made? How many pages of notes? I have got my standard sledgehammer two and a half. Yes, me too. Two A4 pages yes. and a half an A4. Um, Alan, I know you did something a little bit different, didn't you? I'm so used to, well, first of all, I suck at handwriting, and I've seen your guys' handwriting, and you actually have good penmanship compared to what I do. So I've learned to type for as long as I can remember. I used to type everything, and so I typed my notes as I went through. So I have one sheet of typed paper, single space, but I double space between entries, if that makes sense. Does that make sense? So like, if I have a longer entry, it's single space type, but then I, I double space so I can see each of the individual notes. Yes. <laughs> and I, I time stamped them where it made sense. Yeah. Like if I had something that said that happened specifically at a timestamp, I would put that. I'm so used to with the show we did seasons one and two of sort of looking at when something happened by the second or in within that minute. So I kind of get used to writing that down. Ah, Because uh, Adam, as it turns out, after since we've been doing these shows, I've noticed, is a bit of a connoisseur when it comes to notes and note taking um, and likes to, you know, critique my notes and no. gets all... <laughs> Gets all pissy when I, I type them up no, instead of no, writing them down. No, no. It's just the fact that you keep changing your <laughs> method of delivery of notes. You, you're, no. you're not consistent. I don't like it. Well, I but, like to keep you on your toes, you know. No, but you seem to... You, are you sticking with A4? 
I am at the moment because no, 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 at the moment. <laughs> are you sticking with A4? At the moment, because no, that's no, no, the... no, 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 no. <laughs> just say yes, Adam. I'm sticking with A4, so we have a reasonable comparison. No one has to visualize different sizes of paper in their head just because I want to be funky and different. Okay. Yes, I am sticking with A4 because that's the book that I have close to hand. Well, if I can't find it, I'll just pick whatever come, you know, whichever one I can find. I was quite happy then, but it sort of veered into half-hearted at the end, but I'll take it for the moment. <laughs> it's like that kind of classic argument is, I will concede a little bit to you, but I'm still right. I'm not going to give you the whole argument. <laughs> oh, you're such a woman. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I even worried about this when I was taking notes. I said, is this going to come up and will Adam somehow skewer me? But because I have no other basis, this is the first time I've ever provided notes. That's the only... Act that He can't really go after me just yet, no, but I'm wondering... Well, Double spacing is sensible. It's a I like full it. typed page. Yeah. So I'm going to guess it could be two and a half written pages if I had it handwritten. But my handwriting is so bad, it, it might have taken four pages just because I, I get halfway through. I, I don't know how your brains work. Mine, I'm trying to spell faster than my hand can physically write the letters. So halfway through the spelling of one word, I'm already spelling the back half of the next word. And so I misspell the word. And so I scribble it out and have to start over. Which, which is why I prefer typing. So I end up, if I end up handwriting anything, there's scribbles all over the place because I, I don't. Nobody's going to see my poor hand, you know, spelling. But I, it's my mental hang-up. I have to make sure the words spell correctly. Mm. See, I'm not that bad. And what I tend to do is it will start off being spelt correctly, but then you know, if I'm writing so fast, I, it will just trail off into like a, you know, just a, a, a few dots or a line or something. <laughs> and I'll just think I'll remember that from the first part of what I've written down. Um, so yeah, it'd be good though. I, I knew somebody who, who uh, could do shorthand and when i looked at her notes that she'd made i was like what the fuck is that it's mental it's just looking at people's like shorthand it's just you know it's like hieroglyphics it's just it's crazy mm -hmm. anyway this isn't the fucking letter writing podcast <laughs> or note taking podcast um, there's an idea there welcome to calligraphy 101 <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe we can, maybe we should start that anyway uh it's always nice to compare notes it's like when you go into the uh the, the gents toilets isn't it and you happen to glance down at somebody standing next to you um or is that just me it must be just you <laughs> i'm pretty much staring straight ahead i'm not making eye contact with anybody yeah but do you do you reach over and have a grab just to feel the girth <laughs> I, I, I haven't built up the courage yet. Uh, maybe, no. maybe one day when we meet. Um, you know. Well, yeah, there's, right. There's got to be some sense of familiarity, not just a total random stranger. I, I try to figure out how many stalls that are furthest away from whoever may be already occupying one of these stalls. Yes. <laughs> I don't. I don't. That's always weird. Do you ever? Are you ever in the bathroom? There's like a row of seven seven urinals with the little kind of half wall. And you're on the far one, as far away from the other ones, and someone walks in and comes right next to you. Doesn't that make you just feel weird? Yeah, that does yeah. bother me. It always yeah, happens if I'm having a shit. Not usually <laughs> when I'm pissing. <laughs> Guarantee someone's going to go into the next one. That you know, you get the middle, the middle, the middle wall wobbles as they shut the door, and they've always got they've always got terrible diarrhea. They, they could they could have gone anywhere else. Bastards. There's a rant there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> See, I, I was just going to say uh, maybe because you're shitting in the urine, u- urinal as opposed to the actual. But anyway, never mind. No. That was a, a dad joke. Anyway, right. So <laughs> this uh, particular episode opens up uh, with an Elvis contest. Uh, I am d- so tempted, and it's going to be difficult. I'm, I'm, every time I say Elvis, I have to sort of not. I have to stop myself from saying Elvish. Uh, so sorry about that. But if I do stray into that, then forgive me. Uh, anyway, Elvis like, kind of like, like suddenly Sean channeling Connery. Lord of the Rings. Yes, like <laughs> oh yeah, like like a Lord of the Rings Sean Connery, which uh, you know, as we all know, well, Alan and I do probably uh, that you know he was going to be Gandalf, wasn't he, at one point, or he was considered mm. for the role. No, yeah. I've always loved the Elvish. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't picture him as Gan- Gandalf. Anyway, fuck oh. me. God, I didn't think we'd be sidetracked as much. We haven't even started yet. <laughs> you shall not pass. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, Elvis contest. And um, the winner is walking back to his car. You see that sort of like classic... Uh, you know, look camera panning at the 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 footsteps, and then somebody behind them. Do you guys used to watch the Equalizer back in the day yeah. with Woodward? Yeah, very much like you know, that. You know, I I never did, and I want to go back and watch them now because you know they're being redone with Queen Latifah, and I'm like, oh, geez. what? <laughs> you have not heard the Equalizer has been rebooted, and Queen Latifah is now the the female protagonist. You are what? <laughs> The season started right after the American Super Bowl, like two months ago here in the U.S. Is it not? You don't have Queen Latifah as the equalizer over there. We have Denzel Washington in two films, but that's about it. Yeah, two movies, but yeah, and which, by the way, kick ass. I mean, even though the second one was a little daft, but the Denzel Washington, who can beat him? But now, yeah, no, Queen Latifah has now taken on the role as a female. Hey, tell me if no one wants to help you, I'll figure out how to get to the bad guys. That is kind of crazy. Wow. No, I did not know that. That's like Gwyneth Paltrow coming back in a remake of Shaft. <laughs> I, yeah, that's, that's blown my mind a little bit now. <laughs> um, but the sort of, the, the, the reason I brought that up was because at the intro of The Equalizer, you got various, you know, kind of shots of people being harassed or whatever and being followed. And that was the classic shot, wasn't it? You know, you yeah. got like, you just saw the footsteps and, you know, the quickening as, as somebody's kind of getting closer to them and which eventually turns into a run. But, um, but yeah, I'm st- I can't believe that, Alan. You fucking derailed me. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's- oh, wow. Anyway. Well, I'll, I'll let you get to it. Are you going to get to the particular shot of the individual feet? Oh, go on then. Did you notice the guy following or what seems to be the person following had blue suede shoes or at least a, an homage to blue suede? Yes, I did notice that. Did you notice that, Adam? Of course I did. They're not just like dark blue. They're, um, ooh, they're almost luminous blue. They're very, very bright. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it's, again, it's a bit of a homage to Psycho, I guess, because of the, the music and the sort of like, ee, ee, ee. Uh, yeah. as, as a microphone is brought up, a golden microphone into the air, uh, just before it bludgeons the victim. Um, and uh, yeah, so, and then next day, you're, you're, uh, you've got Sledge, Dory, and Captain Trunk, who's there. He's st- stepped out of his office. Yeah. Um, and they're at the crime scene. And uh, I, I really quite like this gag. Um, Adam, do you want to tell people what it is? I don't know which one are you talking about. <laughs> there are a couple here. I should have said that. Better is, it, really, is, it, is it the outline? 
Yes, I like yes. that. I thought it was good. The, the, the outline that is made to look like Elvis, which, um, yeah, I, I take it that, well, I saw that as a direct sort of nod to sort of police squad naked gun. Yes, yeah. What was the other one, Adam? Uh, fuck me, Alan, even. The whole joke about 15 and like, yeah, and it's, you know, talking about how terrible it is. He says, yeah, it must be going for like a Guinness record. Yes, that was right. Yes. Because, um, like, yeah, I mean, he's not taking it seriously. It's all easy sledge. No. No. Uh, uh, can I go back for just a second? Yeah. There were two things I, I, in the nightclub that kind of I, I wrote down as in my notes that sort of stuck out at me. And I don't know if, if you remembered it. And I don't know if this is too much detail, but it starts off like right at the beginning. It goes, none other than as if we're supposed to know who the winner is, because he says none other than. And the guy's name is Harold Ladanek. Was it Lada Neck or Ladneck? Because it's he had a really tall co- collar and he has neck standing out. And I was like, wow, okay, so we're already going to go with a, a crazy name for this guy as if we're supposed to know who Harold Ladaneck is. I wrote I wrote Harold down and, yeah, I think it was Ladaneck. I think. I think. I wasn't sure, so I did mm-hmm. just write Harold, but I was thinking Ladaneck. But, yeah, apparently. That's what it sounded like. Harold Ladaneck. Yeah, he, must, he must have been the local favorite. Right. Maybe. It was a little odd. None other than as if, oh, wow, I'm glad he won. I was worried he wouldn't. <laughs> so this is the kind of detail that uh, um, uh, Alan just puts us to shame with, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> no, I just, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, trust me, I don't want to make this a two-hour episode, but I just, I had a note. I wanted to talk about it. No, no, it's totally fine. <laughs> That's why you're here. Um, so, yeah, and then we go to the morgue. Um, things rattle quite along quite quickly, I think, at the the start, don't they? Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so we're in the morgue, and you know that all of the the um, what do you call them? Well, I, I I wrote there's a row of dead Elvi because I was assuming that was the uh, plural of Elvis would would be Elvi. <laughs> like yes. octopi. Did you notice? Did you notice with that row of 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 cadavers all underneath their sheets in the morgue? All of the heads were all the wigs, and it looked like fake heads at the top, but real feet at the bottom. <laughs> I knew the I saw the wigs at the top, but I didn't really notice the feet. Wow! Um, but the the uh, mortician uh, is that what? No, is that what that what they call him? What would he call? No, the coroner. Coroner, thank you. Uh, he uh, he says that none of the next of kin can identify the bodies because <laughs> they all look the same. Um, I loved that little bit of a joke there. I thought that was really funny. Have, the, have you notified the next of kin? Yeah, but nobody can identify the bodies. <laughs> they all look identical. That, I thought, did you think to maybe take the fake wig and the makeup off? <laughs> yeah. And that's the one thing that we note, we've noticed about um, Sledgehammer is that the writing is quite witty. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot in there. Like you said, there's a bit of police squad. There's a bit of slapstick, a bit of, you know, but the writing is there because I think if it was just too much one or the other, it wouldn't work as well. But and we do get quite a lot of slapstick and, uh, you know, kind of physical comedy in this particular episode. But uh, yeah. And so anyway, Sledgehammer starts eating his lunch. I mean, again, we've said before and you've picked up on this when you've listened to the episodes that, you know, he's kind of just a, you know, he's a funny piss take of uh, Dirty Harry, isn't he? You know, and, and the, we've often seen in Dirty Harry films, you know, uh, Cal- Harry Callahan films where he goes to the morgue and the, the partner that he's with, I'm thinking particularly like the enforcer where he goes in with Tyne Daly and, um, mm-hmm. you know, she's throws up and uh, he's just kind of taking it for granted and taking it in his stride, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, um, but yeah, but he goes one further in this, Sledge does, and he starts eating his lunch. 
um, which starts out as just a, like, well, what's he got, like a sandwich or something? Uh, it was a hot dog, I thought, first. Yeah. Uh, and he starts using the, the implements and tools to yeah. cut up his lunch. A bit of pizza, then. <laughs> yeah, it goes from, a, I wrote down hot dog, then a slice of pizza, and then he's got a little small uh, tray with sushi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which he offers to them. Um yeah. Well, first he feels so bad because she says, uh, Hammer, can you have a little respect? He's like, or, or something. And he, she, he's like, I'm really sorry. I really should have brought enough for everybody. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like that. Like he thinks he's being admonished for not just eating in, in, in front of corpses, in front of all these dead cadavers, but that, he's, that he didn't bring anything to offer everybody. Yeah. Which obviously with a hot dog, a pizza and sushi, he has more than enough food to offer, but it's all his. Yes. Um and uh, so, yeah, it, it's, I mean, then she makes a gag about or a crack about, you know, because she's the straight person in, in this kind of, you know, comedy or relationship, whatever you want to call it. Um, it says something like, you know, oh, imagine being a coroner, you know, waking up every day, knowing you're going to be seeing a dead body. And he says something. Yeah, I was married for five years. Uh, <laughs> which I thought was quite good. I saw that coming. Um, being ex, having an ex, I... I you sense the divorce jokes coming, and I was like, that's exactly where we're going. I want to ask you a question, though. At four minutes and 15 seconds prior to that joke, because of his comment at the crime scene about someone's trying to get into the Guinness Book of World Records, was this a red herring? Because I wrote down, is the coroner the bad guy since he makes a comment about having to meet with the Guinness Book people for a picture? Yeah, because you're never actually sure. I mean, I... I, I can't remember this episode particularly um, from when I saw it when I was a kid. So I didn't know who the killer was. So I was a bit surprised and it, it did keep me guessing because there's a couple of things, a couple of people that you suspect it might well be. I didn't think it was the coroner though. Did you, Adam? No, no, I, I didn't. But I think it was just, it's just one of those things. It does it every now and then, doesn't it? Ha Sledge will put like a throwaway comment stroke gag in and then it will turn out someone else will then, you know, almost back it up. <laughs> later on so what he said even though it sounded stupid was in fact true so maybe the guinness book was coming it, 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 i don't think i've worded that right i know what i mean fuck it <laughs> <laughs> i know what you mean there's a distinct word the, the weird thing it. was we were so close to the gag about you know about you know getting his picture in the paper or whatever he goes no about being in the guinness book of world records and they're asking the coroner oh you got the reporters coming are they getting the picture taken he's like no i'm meeting with the guinness people and i thought oh, okay we're so close to the together am i supposed to think maybe the coroner is killing these people to get into the guinness book of world records but they never go back to it so i just wrote it down because it, it struck me as an intentional red herring mm. where i'm like oh, was it him and I thought, surely not this quickly in the, in the episode. So, but I did write that down as a as a question: Is this an intentional red herring? Mm. Um, By the way, I want to. We can edit this out. We're under a tornado watch, and all of a sudden, I'm hearing my outdoor sirens telling me that there's a take shelter warning happening right now. Oh shit! Wow. <laughs> the, I mean, talk about a fucking act of God to stop you podcasting. <laughs> Well, I'm not really worried about it unless I start hearing a lot of rumble. And then if I'm suddenly disconnected, please go on without me. Okay. Uh, we, obviously, if you need to go, take care of your dogs as well, you know. Yeah. Um, I think they're okay. Okay. It, um, 
go ahead. <laughs> I'm just wait, I'm just listening outside in case I hear like the rumble of the train that you always hear, like the southern rednecks that they always find in the news reports, the worst possible examples of human of humanity when a tornado hits. Like, yeah, I was sitting in my front porch, sitting there, and all of a sudden, a tornado come and just took everything. I'm like, oh Jesus. <laughs> well, if we know that you uh, you end up in black and white, then yeah, you have been. It's a tornado, and you've gone to. <laughs> anyway, Alan always fucking does this as well. Whenever I podcast what, with him, has says, a tornado. No, <laughs> no, has a tornado. But no, he says, "Oh, it's okay. We can edit that out." It's like, no, you're using the royal way. It's not you. You that's got to edit it out. It's me. <laughs> Fucker. It's more- well. It's true. It's you. <laughs> anyway, save it for an outtake. Thanks. Okay. So, uh, yeah, next scene is Sledge and Dory are in the squad room and, um, you know, they haven't got any leads. They're just chatting about stuff. And, again, Sledge is making lots of different cracks and jokes. He's playing with an elastic band. Um, and um, it hits Captain Trunk, who happens to come out of his office at the uh, inopportune or, or opportune time, depending which way you look at it. Um, now, this made me laugh out loud. I thought this was absolutely probably the best line of the uh, of the episode, where Trunk asks, you know, have you got any leads? And, uh, he's, and, and matter of fact, you know, such a deadpan delivery. I loved it. Sledgehammer says, no, but, you know, after a few more people die, I'm sure we'll get some more, th- more to go on, <laughs> which was absolutely brilliant. I love that. Um, Trunk has to yeah. point out that you're not supposed to let more people die. Yes. Um, and, um, yeah, like I said, he's just making loads of little kind of quips and jokes, um, which you do get the Elvis song references come later in the episode. Yeah. But I was kind of thinking that there might be more sprinkled throughout it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I was wondering if I was missing some because I'm not... I'm not uh... I'm not a professor when it comes to the the you know the learning of Elvis. I don't know that much about Elvis to be honest. Part of me died having a shit. Maybe I might even got that wrong. But uh... <laughs> well, we've got and, an American on the call. Should we just ask it, him? Well, he, I'm sure, he'll know. I have got one question. I wrote actually. down as many as I could as we went through, and the only one and I and honestly, I I didn't write. I, I, that's crazy. I didn't write it down. But I think so, doesn't he say something like, "Don't be blue" or something here? into the to his captain he, de- he says something yeah there's definitely it's right at the pretty much as the episode comes to an end there's like like a machine gun sort of like a lot of them do you know what i mean but there doesn't seem to be that many as we go through um this was a bit of an, a weird one but because trunk's got a headache and um sledgehammer offers to give him some acupuncture and chases him away with a needle which yeah that was <laughs> odd where has trunk suddenly got these migraines from yeah i, I know it's down to hammer, obviously, but uh, yeah, it's just a, a thing that's come out of nowhere. I don't, didn't fit into the overall arc unless unless Trunk dies of a brain hemorrhage. Yeah, that was a, that was a bit odd. Um, I can hear myself. I, I can hear myself. What the hell's happened? You can. That's weird. Hello. You can hear yourself. I can't. It's gone now. It's fine. Okay, sorry. Um, okay. <laughs> was it Skype? <laughs> Hell. Um, okay. Maybe it's the tornado. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Okay. So then we get another dead Elvis, um, but this time there's a witness. Um, same uh, pattern, you know, see the footsteps, you see the golden microphone coming down, bludgeoning uh, the, the second, well, not the second, it'd be the, what, the 16th victim or 17th yeah. victim? Now, um, now, I'm no serial killer. 
let that be put on public record. Um, Are you sure? Yeah, maybe. No, well, who knows? But um, if I was to kill someone and there was a witness stood away, stood six foot away from me, who lets out a shrill scream enough to uh, alert all of the dogs in the neighbourhood, I'd probably consider <laughs> bopping her on the head as well. To be honest. Yeah. I, I know what you mean, because, like, she's standing right next to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, as a killer, he's not really thought about it, as he, he or she, whoops, um, thinking, yeah, I'll, I'll, in, they're trying to sneak up on him. They're killing in blind sight, so obviously they've, the lust has got, the bloodlust is too far now. They're too far gone. They want to be caught. Mm. Maybe. I loved, though, this gag. I loved it. I wrote down, double scream gag with woman seeing murderer less than 10 feet away. It sets up everything that's going to happen in this next segment. You have to have the eyewitness for this next yeah. run of gags. Yeah, which is that she's now sitting in uh, Trunk's office with Dory sort of being comforted. And you've got a sketch artist uh, who's uh, obviously, you know, doing a drawing because she's giving him some descriptions to go on and, and some uh, things. Uh, did you notice who the the sketch art... Fuck me. Sket? <laughs> the scat artist. <laughs> uh, <laughs> The sketch artist was Adam. Oh God! Um, 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 was it Nick Nolte? <laughs> See, I'm just seeing if you were paying attention to uh, one of our previous films. I'll give you a clue. It got Dolph Lundgren in it. Uh, well, we've already watched um, Dark Angel. It was. Uh, was it either his, the other cop in Dark Angel? weren't the bad guy, surely? No, no, it was the chemist, the the sort of like weird chemist that he goes to to give the disc to to um, analyze. Do you remember that? Who uh, took loads of pills and loads of caffeine oh, and got shit beaten in up? My face, I didn't realize. No. Well, there you go. There you go. Anyway, that was. I was him. too busy writing. <laughs> um. So yeah, and um, then Hammer comes in. And immediately, well, as he always does, puts his foot in it and just uh, he he immediately thinks that she's a suspect rather than a witness and starts threatening her, um, which is fun. Um, And then the sketch artist finishes the the sketch that he's done and it's a picture of Elvis or an Elvis impersonator. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Did you guys got anything in particular about this scene that you thought was funny or interesting? So I love the fact that when he turns the sketch around and we know obviously the gag's coming and she says, that's him. I <laughs> she couldn't have just said someone who looks like Elvis. <laughs> she spends all this time describing hair and sideburns and eyes and nose and, and you know, mouth features. And it <laughs> she didn't know that it was a it was an Elvis someone who looks like Elvis. Yeah. Because yeah. also, yeah, she was parked in the same car park as the winning Elvis. So, um there's a chance she could have actually been watching the Elvis contest. Yes. So she could have, yeah, she could have just said it was Elvis. I mean, yeah, I could see the gag coming from a mile off, but it's, it was, it was, it was still amusing. It, it, it still made me chuckle that the fact that they're looking for Elvis, who's killed Elvis, Elvi, multiple Elvi. Yeah, and it was a pretty good sketch as well. To be fair, wasn't it? It was actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was expecting it to be half shit, but it was actually, yeah, weren't a bad drawing that. Better than that thing hanging mm. up in the school we see later, anyway. Oof. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, so then we go to a lineup, um, and uh, it's it's all the Elvis impersonators. 
Uh, well, five of them anyway, right? <laughs> or is it six? Yes. And uh, Hammer, is, again, not taking it... Six. Six of them. Not, yeah. not taking it seriously. Um, and this is the first time that I can remember him doing it in a good few episodes. Yes. Um, so much so, I can't actually remember the last time he said it. But uh, he utters the catchphrase, his catchphrase, Trust me, I know what I'm doing. Uh, to Captain Trunk, which was cool, because uh, like that's, I said, he hasn't said it for ages. I think it, I think it's three or four episodes that's been missing in action, hasn't it? It's uh, weird. Mm. Mm-hmm. Back, yes. Maybe it's the first time in four episodes he's actually has known what he's doing. Well, possibly. Um, but then, yes. So they ask a couple of the Elvis impersonators to do their thing. Now. <laughs> this was kind of what what cottoned on. Oh, I cottoned on to the sort of like, hmm. They possibly didn't have the rights to use any of the songs yeah. because it's sort of just. A, oh, 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 oh. You know what though? Having no knowledge of the fact that there may have been an issue getting the rights, that was actually funnier. Even if I had had the rights, this was the funnier gag anyway. Yeah, that yeah. all these Elvis impersonators are just muttering and making it sound like an Elvis like delivery without actually quoting or or being responsible for coming up with real lyrics. Yeah. Um, and so, as I mentioned, I had a quick look on IMDb and there's a little bit of trivia, which was that the Elvis Presley estate uh, were particularly upset with the episode, which you think, really? <laughs> you were upset about this? It's, you know, it's not particularly offensive. And uh, the, the creator of Sledgehammer... Um, Alan Spencer even sort of said, well, it's, you know, it's a bit of a tribute. It's not meant to take the piss out of Elvis particularly. Um, But anyway, uh, the two songs that you can hear maybe a little bit later on, which uh, we'll talk about, uh, is Love Me Tender. And then, but that was a a public domain folk song called Orally. Uh, And then you got uh, the ending of the Battle Hymn of the Republic, which again is a Mm -hmm. public domain song so they had the rights i guess to use those as opposed to some of the other song songs that were you know elvis was famous for so um but yeah so they start doing their shtick and um she picks out one of them which uh turns out to be a cop and yeah. because captain trunk um put him in there just because you know didn't think that this was going to work so um sledgehammer then okay go on I want to. I, I got a note that I wrote down here, but it was a note that I came back to afterwards. Note how tall this particular Elvis impersonator is, and she thinks that's the same person <laughs> she saw. Yeah, yeah, it's true. No spoiler to the end, but just note how much taller the one <laughs> dude is to everyone else in that room. Yes, you've got a good point there, Alan. Um, uh, that will become apparent when we get to the end of the episode. But, uh, yeah, so <laughs> then, um, you know, Sledge is like, oh, what are we going to do? And he's going to set a trap for the lard head, uh, which <laughs> I thought was quite amusing. So because Sledgehammer comes up with all these kind of quips like scum sucker and names for, for people, doesn't he? Um, yeah. But lard head's a new one. I quite like yeah. that. Uh, so then advert or it would have what would have been an advert uh if i hadn't watched it on youtube <laughs> um so yeah and then um sledge and dory are watching an advert for an elvis impersonator school <laughs> uh, which i thought was quite interesting and but the the link to all of the victims is that they all went to this particular school um so uh sledge enrolls in it and um 
it's the famous school of Elvis impersonators, isn't yes. it? Yeah, one eight hundred five 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 King. I've always wondered about that, actually, Alan. You know, uh, with American numbers, because we don't have it over in this country. But what does that mean? Because it is okay. So be- the only prefix that's not an actually used prefix, so that way you don't put something in a movie that some you know kids decide. Well, let's call that number, and it ends up being you know Aunt Jeannie's house for real. The five 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 is not a real prefix, so. If anybody were to dial 555 and then whatever series of numbers, it goes to nothing. So that way, every movie you see, when they reference it, looking at or having a telephone number, it's always going to have 555 and then whatever. Ah, but it was also the end part. So like having, uh, I've seen that before in other films, well, you know, with the... the, the, the with the letters? Yeah, the letters. Like, how does that work? Oh, well, you know how the, like the, the number two is ABC on, the, on your keypad and... So a lot of a lot of people will, especially like here's ironically, radio hosts will do this all the time. When I fill in for um, the guy named Eric Erickson, they looked for a series of numbers that he could actually say instead of saying dial eight seven seven nine seven three seven four two five, he can say dial eight seven seven nine seven Eric E R I C K, and you just have to type phonetically. When you look at where you know which number goes with which letter. Ah, so we don't have that in this country, do we at all, Adam? No, no. Really? Well, only on old mobile phones. Obviously, you had your letters then because of the text message and all that kind of stuff. Old Nokias and whatnot. But in... Though, yeah, on the Yeah, because all of our old... Hmm. Yeah, all, we're growing up, even on the old rotary-style phones, when, you know, back in the 70s as a kid, everyone, if you had... Like, the number one had nothing on it, so the number two was ABC, the number three was DEF, four was, you know, GHI, and so you had all the letters of the alphabet represented with the numbers two through nine. And so law firms and businesses would, instead of you having to remember the last four numbers or maybe all the numbers, if they could create a a word that matched those numbers, you would see things like dial toll free, 1-800, eat shit, you know, and that's your phone number. Okay. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> there you go. Every day is a learning day, isn't it? Um, I've learned something. I honestly couldn't. I thought you were pulling my lariat. I didn't think you were. I thought you you knew what that was, and you were just seeing if I was going to be dumb enough to answer. No, no. We, we. I genuinely was curious, and and you've answered a question that has been baffling me for the past forty years, um, plaguing you, <laughs> keeping you up at night. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we go to the school, and um, Sledge walks in. He's late, um, and he's got, I suppose, what would you class as the classic late Elvis white suit on um, with his shades, you know, because he was generally wears his shades um and you've got the, the teacher who's been in the business for years and years and years and mr p no less mr p okay mm. and um so he's making a few cracks and the uh, mr p gets him up to the the front of the uh class and he, he tries to embarrass him a little bit you know he says oh, okay so show us show us the mo- your moves then and um so Sledge, um, then this is actually where the gags start to come in a little bit because he says something about uh, having a suspicious mind, uh, which I thought was good. And then um, the ins- the instructor makes Sledge dance, and he can't, can he, at all? Like you know, not at least not yeah. initially. But I, I want to get to the gag for a second. I looked this up because he made a point of saying the word troublemaker, like, ooh, a troublemaker, and then suspicious mind and i said okay well suspicious mind is definitely an elvis song 
Did you know Troublemaker was actually an Elvis Costello song? Ah, see, I mm. wondered that because the way he emphasizes Troublemaker. So I wondered if that was um, an Elvis song. It's not one I'd heard of, but again, that's not saying anything. And at the time would have been probably more contemporaneous for people to know the name of an Elvis Costello song. And I wrote down in my notes, so the teacher obviously knows his Elvis. He just doesn't know the last name because... <laughs> <laughs> He just, as long as it's got the first name Elvis, they must be all the same. Wow, I like that. See, again, the devil's in the detail, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, and then um, Sledge starts having a bit of a meltdown, doesn't he? Because he gets called a wuss, and then he just he ends up doing some kind of crazy dancing, which is his kind of, you know, violent dancing, uh, because this was another gag that made me laugh out loud. Is it part uh, him and part stuntman, isn't it? Well, is the stuntman doing some of it? I mean, because you can actually... There's definitely stuntman later on, because you see the wig. <laughs> this is yes. the cl- classic sledgehammer wig. Um, but in this, I don't know, because you don't see... The, you see the top half of his body when he's actually doing it, but then he's doing some weird moves with his legs, which, you know, that, that wouldn't be him. I wouldn't Oh, they're, they're, they're definitely stunt legs. Yes. Um, but anyway, he, the, you know, the, the people in the class are getting into it, um, but he kicks one of them in the face, which was awesome. Um, yes. <laughs> I wrote down right at 1406. I actually laughed out loud with the front kit to the kid in the front row. <laughs> yeah. I, even though you kind of expect it, it was so quick and unexpected. I was like, Oh my God, that was funny. Yeah. Um, and then, so th- there's that, he kind of proves himself to the class. Um, and that's the end of that really. I mean, he, he also throws Mr. P halfway across the classroom. Uh, oh yes yeah that comes pretty much straight afterwards doesn't it yeah yeah into the poor chap who's just had a boot to the face then gets a teacher to the face yes um so but again the sort of speed of this episode is that you know he goes to this uh this school and you know he does this bit of kind of comedy dancing all that kind of stuff uh the next thing is he's snooping around at night and he's confronted by the janitor who stops him um and he says look i'm a cop you know and i'm looking for clues etc etc but you know the janitor's like you shouldn't be here and he's pretty rude to him whatever but that's it there's there's no more class you know they made a big sort of deal about him going to this this prestigious elvis school um but it's over within a couple of minutes isn't it pretty much yeah bless the poor janitor he's very hurrah <laughs> Uh, he's very upset, is what yeah, he is. He's a very strange little man. And yes. also, well, here's exactly what I wrote, because I wrote my notes as it was happening. And I wrote, well, I remember seeing a Korean-sounding name in the credits early. And I said, so are we supposed to suddenly see any significance to this guy? He was called out in the beginning credits, not sort of buried in the end credits. So I wrote down, are we supposed to know more about this guy? Could he be involved later? Ah, okay. So and that's only because I watched the opening credits and looked at the names of the guest stars and the people that were going to be in the episode. Mm. Did you pick up on any of this, Adam? I didn't. No, I didn't. I don't, <laughs> I don't look at the names. <laughs> but this is a learning curve, isn't it? We're learning stuff now. It learning is. what we, we could look out for if we were professional enough. <laughs> L- learning or being shown up and embarrassed for the... the Amateurs that we are. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so then Dorian Sledge are at uh, the semi-finals of uh, a particular contest, and um, 
again, it's just a sort of a, a strange little section where he's, I suppose, psyching himself up a little bit, and uh, he ends up shooting a water bottle for yeah. some reason. Um, I, I do love his now, line, sheer will is my greatest talent. Yes. Uh, now, th- this is how my brain works, Al- um, Alan, because the guy who was sort of like he popped his head around just as uh, he's delivering the the water or he finds out to find to see what happens with the water bottle uh i thought oh is he the killer no just no reason why just randomly because he stands there and he looks like for longer than i thought he should do and i just thought i, I think he... he looks an appropriate amount of time when you thought why has someone shot a water cooler okay uh, well yeah anyway um now, there's a little gag in here. I didn't write it down at the time, but again, having had a look on IMDb, that because um, she says, you know, where he's placed or where he's positioned in the contest, and it's in between Dallas and Miami. Um, <laughs> now, I didn't get I wanted this. To, yeah, I wanted to know. I didn't look it up on purpose because I thought Alan will know because, you know, why not? Go on. <laughs> I knew my geography of the United States. <laughs> so what did you think it was about then? Did you think it was something to do with the geographical, you know, kind of positioning of, of Dallas and Miami? Well, yeah, like Dallas, Texas is is basically in the heart of Texas, which is like the biggest state in our union. Well, California is almost as big, but as far as landmass. But Dallas, it's sort of like everything's big. It's where the Cowboys are. It's where... I mean, it's just, that's Dallas. It's a big, huge city. Everything's big. It's a spectacle. Miami is a huge party town in the south end of Florida. And you don't have anything really that big or well-known anywhere in between. So basically, everything in between, if you were to drive or or take a pencil from Dallas, Texas to Miami, I mean, now there might be some cities that are kind of bigger along the way. A lot of people might know, you know, Pensacola or maybe even uh, Panama City Beach. But in terms of massive urban centers, places that people would just know by the name, Dallas and, and, and Miami, and in between, there's really nothing you would recognize. Ah, so do you, want, do you want to know the reason why they made this kind of insider joke about that is because at the time of its run, Sledgehammer was on a certain TV station when Dallas was on <gasps> one TV station and Miami Vice was on another TV station. So clearly, those are the two of the highest-rated TV shows on at the time, and Sledgehammer had got no chance of picking up... Oh, my God, that's that awesome. Show. I had no idea about the timing of it. That's that's great. So there you go, because Dallas was on CBS and Miami Vice was on NBC. Um, and, yeah, so that was a total... Because that... I was like, what the fuck? You know, that's a really random kind of joke to make but that joke still works today not knowing the two tv shows uh, well there you go anyway i thought that was so, cool when i found out because i didn't even think of it that way i thought that was pretty funny that there's really no party city or well-known international it's like everyone knows new york everyone knows la well you know dallas and and miami are pretty well-known cities in the united states and there's a bunch of cities in between but who cares? They're all like nobodies. And I thought that was sort of the joke. You're a nobody. But it also works <laughs> as far as television programming. <laughs> Dallas and Miami Vice. And then you've got Sledgehammer, a nobody. Yeah. There you go. Awesome. So uh, he goes onto stage, onto the stage, and um, he, uh, he's 
starts doing his Elvis drawl. Again, no real singing. Sort of like... Oh, it's kind of like, and he's starting getting booed and things thrown at him, which was, um, you know, a bit rude. And, uh, you know, then he gets his gun out and shoots it. Um, which again, nobody panics, really. They just kind of like go. <gasps> but then he, he puts on a different song, a more upbeat song um, and uh, and ends up in that sort of that, you know, that um, is it's called the American Trilogy, I think, isn't it? The, the song that. I'm sure because we used to play that at discos when I used to do discos with my dad. You know, um, the, the it it is is it called the American Trilogy or something that song? Because it's sort of like with the glory, glory, hallelujah. Yeah, it's like three different parts or three different. You know, kind of. Anyway, I'm rambling now. Uh, clearly, haven't researched what I'm talking about, uh, but still, that's never stopped me before. Um, so yeah, and then he wins over the crowd. They start applauding. Um, the it is actually I just double checked that it's called uh, Elvis Presley an American trilogy uh, is includes the uh, refrain for glory glory hallelujah look at me <laughs> look get at in. you <laughs> uh, <laughs> not... by the way I wrote down here because we know he's sort of a a satire of or a parody of uh, uh, Dirty Harry when he shoots the gun and he goes one thing I demand he did a perfect imitation of the clenched teeth delivery of a line for Dirty Harry. Mm. Yeah. yeah. He's, I thought it was great. He's pretty good at that. He sort of, he does occasionally, like you said, he clenches his teeth and he does that stare, which you've seen Clint Eastwood do in, in the Dirty Harry movies. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah. Uh, he wins the contest. The uh, person presenting goes to give him the award and he does what he did to the uh, Mr. P and uh, he, he throws him over his shoulder Um and yeah, throws him into the crowd. That's uh, I mean, so was Elvis into martial arts and kung fu? Is, is, was judo, he, is he judo? Was he into judo, Elvis? Or am I making that up? God, do you know? I actually have no idea. Because <laughs> he was just to those kind of karate kicks and stuff, didn't he? You know, when he was on stage. But whether they were just kicks or I've just you know added the word karate <laughs> to them. <laughs> uh, who knows? Anyway, um, maybe just you know he's he's well he says it's reflexes, isn't it? Um, it's hey, uh, here's a fact for you. Elvis was first exposed to karate in 1958 after he was drafted into the army and stationed in Germany. In 1960, Elvis, with Japanese style training under his belt, met the father of American Kenpo, Ed Parker, at the Wilshire Beverly Hills Hotel after a karate demonstration. So yes. He liked the martial arts. There you go. Wow, look at that. Um, so, yeah, Sledge is walking back to his car. Uh, same type of deal. You see the footsteps. Um, but this time round, instead of getting hit by the microphone, he punches the guy who turns out to be an Elvis impersonator. And then the police show up. Dory shows up. He gets taken away. Um, and Hammer's pretty happy with himself at this point. But Dory is like, hmm. That seemed a bit too easy, and we know it's not the real person because we've still got uh, two minutes left. Yeah. Um, he also uh, well, what what I wrote down is this can't be the real guy. He doesn't have the microphone. Yeah. Yes. We set up the establishing two kills prior. We we get the shot of a raised microphone. This guy did not have a microphone. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, it, it can't be him. Yeah. He, he didn't uh, have the shoes either, did he? Did he have the blue suede shoes either? I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. Um, <clears throat> Sledge also called him a sea eel and ring a ringworm. 
Which I'm, is no, awesome. I've never called anyone a ringworm, but I might do that shortly. Mm. <laughs> um, yes. Um, so then, you know, uh, they uh, he offers to buy Dory a drink, a, a soda pop, uh, which I thought was quite cute. Um because she's sort of, sort of not happy. They think they've got the wrong guy. Uh, they go back to the bar, which is empty. Everybody's gone. Yeah. So why is the bar still open? <laughs> um, but apart from one person who's dancing away yes. on stage, and he, this, even though even with a wig, you still clocked it as the janitor. Yeah. Did you? Yeah. Yeah. Even, well, even though it's I wrote shot- down. It- Go, go I say, even though it's shot, sorry, when he's dancing, there is a chair in front of where his feet would be, so he can't see his shoes. Ah. Right. I wrote, I knew who it was because Inside Club, horrible Oriental karaoke version of Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so Sledge confronts him, and basically the reason why he's killing all of the Elvis impersonators is because he's been working at that school. And they're all crap compared yeah. to him, isn't he it? Says, yeah, he says he is creary superior to everyone else. I'm Ronry. Oh, dear. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Adam. That's it. That's the joke of the episode. That's awesome. I, 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 um, I do. I do love it. I do love a Chinese accent speaking English when it when it's it's not, it's not quite right. It's brilliant. Love it. Um. So there's a fight that ensues. Sort of <laughs> yeah. half stuntman, half sledgehammer. Um. And again, no stereotypes. But this guy clearly knows a bit of martial arts because he's yeah. doing some fancy kicks and whatever. Uh, he knocks over Dory, yeah. which is unusual. You know, she, yeah, and she's known <clears throat> to do a bit of um, kicking and stuff in previous episodes. Uh, but she gets knocked out and uh, or knocked over, I should say, and sort of dazed. Um, Sledge, uh, his gun goes off and it, it hits an electrical wire, um, which you know happens to sort of dangle a little bit um sledge himself gets knocked over he's in a prone position the guy is about to take him out with his his golden microphone i must say this microphone's a shit murder weapon because <laughs> <Yeah>. <coughs> gold gold's well no it's only gold plated isn't it so yes yeah, it's, it's a rubbish weapon <laughs> It's just this small, isn't it? It's yeah. like, you know, if you got hit with that, you'd be like, it's not even pointy or sharp. It's just, it's just a, it's shit. Also, quite easy to dodge. Yeah. You know, so maybe it just looks bigger in his hand because he's got a small hand. Or something. Maybe actually know. the scary thing was a weird looking Chinese man in an Elvis costume. Maybe that's what made people scream <laughs> and freeze. And then he could have hit it. And also, he's that short. He was never going to... He said they were all being bludgeoned in the head. He's too short to bludgeon a six foot three Elvis impersonator in the head. Even yeah. with his arm outstretched. If, Which goes back to what I wanted yeah. to call out. How in the world did the eyewitness think that this guy was <laughs> yeah. the tallest guy in the lineup? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, twist of all twists. So as he's about to raise... Well, as he raises his hand up to... Uh, to bring it down on Hammer's head. Um, I like that, Hammer's head. Anyway, uh, he electrifies himself, electrocutes himself, 
and uh, on the exposed wire, which does this. I mean, I don't know if you had it in Amer- if you have it in America or you've had it when you were a kid, but uh, like um, Ready Break, uh, you know, <laughs> like porridge. It's we have porridge in this country called Ready Break. Jesus, that's they, a reference. That's a hell of a reference you're going they, for there. They had this, uh, you know, the, the 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 theme of the adverts. I think they still do it. Is like you know, it's uh, it's like a rate. What do, what do they call it? It's like a radiator for for children or something I, basically it gives you a glow yeah. if you have ready break in the morning it you will be glowing and that was it you know they'd put this kind of you know it was a bit cheap and cheerful when i was a kid you yeah. know because the special effects weren't great what they're actually would... saying is it's fucking cold in the morning eat something hot <laughs> that should be the tagline yeah. um but yeah it looks like that doesn't it it looks yeah. like he's had his ready break <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll be honest because it it kind of glows out from him from behind us a few times. I was expecting him to possibly turn into a skeleton. Yes. And a skeleton uh, fall on the floor. But. Or some dust or something. Yeah. yeah, I think that would have been a bit too violent for uh, for this. Um, but because, you know, the, the the networks were complaining about the uses, usage of guns and stuff, I think, on a, a you know, sort of prime time TV show, which I think is still a bit weird, but still. Um, so, yeah. Uh, no. I wrote this note as we are closing down this episode. I did say for all of the good karate or, or martial arts work of our bad guy, this was a crappy death to just raise his yeah. mic, a shitty visual effect behind him where they freeze frame the video for a second for the visual effect. And then you see when the visual effect goes away. And I guess they couldn't tra- track him at the same time movement for some reason that as soon as the effect fades, he can move again then smoke from behind, and he just falls over. Mm. He does that yeah. little vibrate, thought... doesn't he? But there, there is a little, there is that little gap between when the glow goes away and he starts shaking like he's been electrocuted. There's about, I don't know, a third of a second there where he's actually just stood still. Uh, that, that stood out. Stood out to me. It just looked yeah. really weird. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, I don't know what kind of a better death he should have had. I just, it felt like of all, I don't know. I, I, they had this great fight scene, the you know, bullet bouncing, things going on. He had the upper hand. I was like, oh, and he electrocutes himself with his gold microphone. But, you know, I'm not the writer, and someone else made a fortune on this show, so who am I to complain? Mm, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, so then they're back in the squad room, and um, Sledgehammer's listening to some music on a Walkman. Um, don't know exactly what it is, but I'm guessing it's some kind of Elvis tunes. Um, but, again, so the the gag that I was thinking would have been perfect for him to say at the end of the last scene was uh, something like, oh, you know, he was all shook up or something. Do you know what I mean? Because he got electrocuted mm-hmm. or whatever, but that didn't come. But it did come a little bit later on uh, because then there's loads of gags flying around and Dory's getting in on the act because she says, oh, you know, uh, don't be cruel. Um, and then uh Trunk gets in on it and says something, you know, oh, it's jailhouse rock, and he was all shook up. Um, but Sledge isn't really buying. He's, he's. I think he's gotten into the music at this point, hasn't he? I think that's the point of this. You know, he's actually kind of in, started to enjoy a lot of the Elvis music. Is or did I miss that? Or did you? No, I think you're absolutely yeah. right. I, in fact, you know what? I realize I've missed two notes, and I wish because you know I actually wrote down. I wish they had had a couple of more obvious Elvis title songs, but am I the only one that at the very beginning when the winner is called out and they say none other than Harold Ladeneck and it cuts to him, why didn't they have, thank you, thank you very much. He never, we never hear anybody say that in the Elvis voice. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, 
And later in the other contest, we don't hear, thank you, thank you very much. I'm like, perfect places that we could have had the tagline that everyone thinks of when they're imitating Elvis. Yeah, absolutely. So they come thick and fast, you know, in the last minute of the episode, which I think is a bit of a wasted opportunity, but still. Um, and then he says that he, he's having some vacation time, which is unusual for him because, you know, he, lo- he loves police work, you know, beating up suspects and people and shooting at people and chasing people in his car or whatever. Because um, but he, he wants to go to Graceland. Um, and that's it. That's the episode. So... What did you think? I'm going to come to you first, Alan. Like I said, as this was, I suppose you watched it for for the benefit of being on this show um, mm-hmm. and having not seen well, it before. I've watched all the episodes, having caught up and listened to all of your episodes. Ah. I've watched them all. I thought of all of them so far, this may be one of the weaker ones. Maybe I'm not a big into the Elvis mythology anyway. That never really, it never really did anything for me. So even though I loved some of the gags and I wrote down places where I laughed out loud. I thought some of the episodes prior to this one had been a little bit better constructed. Yeah. So I, I gave it a six out of 10. Yeah. What What about you, Adam? What did you think? Similar kind of thing. I think, yeah, this, this wasn't my favorite one, uh, not by quite a long stretch. And it's hard to tell whether it's, it's just the gags within the thing or because, you know, Elvis is rich for satire and picking, picking and making fun of. They didn't. They, I don't think they took advantage of their situation as much as they could have done. Well, they might have had lawyers breathing down their neck, but I think <laughs> it was. You know, I think the corpse was more ripe for picking than what they actually did. So, mm. and yeah, we do need to remember that this episode in the U.S. anyway came out nine years after the death of Elvis, so it was still pretty close. Oh really? Oh okay. Oh, it was only nine years. Bloody hell! Yeah. I didn't really. They died in 1977, and this, you said, was 86 when it was released in the U.S., right? Yeah. So that's nine years. Yeah. True. Ah, yeah. oh, fair enough. Okay. I guess that makes a bit more sense as to, I suppose, why the family were upset, because I suppose, like you said, it's mm-hmm. quite soon after. I think if you had done a show like it today, like, let's say this is the show that is on right now, they would have been able to go a lot, they would have been able to cut a little bit tighter, a little bit more into the Elvis mythos and had a little more fun with it. I'm just I'm wondering if in the context of when it did air that they did sort of maybe pull some of those punches. Mm. Okay, that's that's interesting. And maybe that's why it felt like it wasn't as crisp as some of the previous ones up to this point. Yeah. Yeah, I think they only really did one direct kind of dig at Elvis himself. That was when Sledge was describing what he, you know, being Elvis is easy. All you got to do is was it twitch your lips, move your hips and look bloated. Mhm. <laughs> <laughs> Great line. Yeah. Apart, apart that from great. that, yeah, that was sort of the only slight dig, uh, I suppose, Elvis himself. The rest was, I suppose, more of a dig at the actual impersonators, which... Exactly. I think that's what it is. This episode really was mocking those people who think they can make a living, including having an entire school, <laughs> learning how to pretend to be yeah. Elvis. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I'm in, in agreement with all of you that uh, this is probably my least favourite out of the lot. But then I think um, having listened to your most recent podcast, Alan, where you sort of, you're talking about rating all of the Marvel movies and, you know, there's one that's always got to come last. You know, it doesn't mean necessarily that it's bad. It just means that it's not, it, you know, it's not your favourite out of what are uh, a great, you know, um, series of, of movies or TV shows. So, yeah, this is probably my least favourite out of all the ones that I've seen. Um, there were a couple of really good jokes and, and funny things that happened in it, but it was just, yeah, just not as, as good as some of the others. Um, so, but anyway. So, Adam, with Hello. this being your your choice, um, 
what are we going to do? Are we going to carry on with Sledgehammer for the next episode, or are we going to try something different? Ooh, I, th I think it's receiving its first warning, but we'll carry on. <laughs> There's a warning shot across yeah. the bow. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough. No, no, I, I agree with you. I agree. Um, so cool. If I had any influence, I would say I'd like you guys to do another, but be aware that if it's losing steam already at episode seven, be advised. I'd like to make sure that it, it picks right back up. Otherwise, I'm worried. Yeah. Now, it would be good to, to find out if the next episode is... Uh, you know, an improvement, shall we say? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, cool. Right. Well, that was that was awesome. That was good. Um, Alan, do you want to tell people what you do in terms of podcasting and where they can find you and all that kind of stuff? Sure. Uh, I have a, a podcast that I started four years ago with my buddy Walt Murray called The Wilder Ride. It started right on the heels of the passing of Gene Wilder, and we were doing the movies by minutes format for the first two seasons, where we break a in this case, a Gene Wilder movie down one minute at a time, which made it perfect for me to transition into doing this spotlight reflection episode. And then in season three, like a lot of people's lives, that was in 2020. So we changed the format to make it easier to do remote interviews. And rather than, because uh, we had a bunch of folks lined up for in-studio, in-person stuff, and we had to postpone that. But we are really happy that we created, underneath the same brand, The Listener's Lounge, we created sort of a Johnny Carson-esque feel, remembering that Johnny Carson didn't dive into the politics of the day. It was more about having fun and getting the audience to learn who the people were on his show. So we are doing the same thing, and we are just now kicking off season four. We've got several guests already that have aired this season, and this season as well, my wife hit me up and said, we're, we're, we're beginning to be empty nesters. We have four girls. We were a blended family. We've been each through a divorce. We've got a lot of information in our heads. Wouldn't it be fun to do a podcast about relationships and marriage and do it from a perspective where we're not telling you to go to church and we're not telling you to read the Bible and we're not telling you that we're experts, just two people that have made some mistakes along the way and have learned, hopefully, some lessons. So we started the Marriage Fit Podcast and... Like we say, when you have a bunch of pieces in your house, you're trying to figure out how to make things fit, how to stay fit, and how to stop from throwing a fit. So there's the Marriage Fit Podcast. And uh, both are bloody good shows. Uh, I'm a big fan of both of them, particularly the Marriage Fit one because, uh, you know, being married and all that and, uh, you know, having children, it's it's really interesting to me uh, and I find it, it's just, it's great. And, you know... Oh, well, thank you. I'm, no, I'm loving those episodes. They, they, they come out on a Wednesday and they are... Uh, as soon as they come out, they generally listen to within the day. Cause I, you, and you know that because I send you a message saying uh, that was really good. I enjoyed it. So, Thank you, man. That's really cool. Anyway, um, right. Um, Adam, I was going to say, where can people find you? But it's right here with me, isn't it? It's, yeah. With you. You're in this, <laughs> this <purgatory>. with you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, you can usually, well, Adam and I, we do this Spotlight Reflection TV show, but we also do a movie show as well, which uh, is checking out movies from our childhood. And the last one that we've did, which has just been released uh, as of time of recording, is The Blob um, from 1988. And um, we always have a good time doing those shows and these shows, you know. So, uh, And also, we're on the ABC of Gaming um, which we're recording very soon. And, well, by the time people listen to this, they will have probably known what's coming. Mm. But we've got something special happening for that, haven't we? Which is going to be... It's going to be excellent. It's going to be really good, I think. You know, I, so I'm, I'm excited. Hoping it's fun. I'm hoping it's fun. 
I'm sure it will be. Uh, or it could be shit and uh, you might <laughs> never hear it. <laughs> so, but anyway, um, and all of that stuff is on the website uh, 60mw.co.uk. Uh, if you go to the podcast link, it'll show you all of the podcasts that we do, some of which Alan is on as well because he's on the ABC of Fording Ahead when we do those. Uh, and also the Rant Show. Uh, and also... I I hate I hate to say it because I feel, you know we've neglected it a little bit, but we he's also on the Sound Check Metallica show, which we mm-hmm. are going to do soon. I promise you, uh, we've we have put a date forward, and we are going to stick to it. Come hell or high water or tornadoes. Uh, I don't know. You reckon? I think you two are having a race with Dave and Ben, so you can produce the least shows, Metallica or Clint Eastwood. <laughs> In all fairness. I understand that uh, our good buddy Chris has a very busy life and younger children. I remember what that was like, and you can't neglect them, so I'm understanding. I would have had the entire discography done by now, so it is what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Not to put any more pressure on me, but you know. Um, So, By the way, this will be a good Easter egg in this episode because this one will probably drop before the rant show, but there is a rant show in the works. So if you enjoyed the three of us, you might want to come back for the rant show as it's released later on 60 MW podcast. Yes, uh, absolutely. There you go. Uh, right. And also you can find us on Twitter at 60 MW podcast. Um, go there. If you're on social media, follow that because there are loads of giveaways and things like that. All you got to do is retweet when you see one that says, Hey, we've got a DVD to give away or we've got a prize or something like that. So yeah, check that out. Um, Alan, where can people find you on social media? Uh, the best places that are podcast related are exactly the names of the podcast. So if you are interested in following us, we've got the wilder ride, on Twitter, on Facebook, and Instagram. And for The Marriage Fit, it's The Marriage Fit Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We also have websites, thewilderride.com or themarriagefitpodcast.com. Uh, there you go. And uh, Adam, where are you? Uh, well, uh, when the planets align and the unicorns are grazing on the bluegrass while the fairies flutter around making their nectar of God... And stuff you might see me on uh, at eight mutterings, but it's quite rare. Yes, it is very rare, in fact. Um, but uh, hey ho, I'm not on social media much these days either. Um, uh, which, uh, speaking of which, I'm at Dastardly Jabby on Twitter. Thank you very much for listening, Alan. It's been great having you on board. Uh, feel like we've learnt a lot, and um, yeah, you're always welcome to come on these shows. Uh, so Aww. you may get a call at some point in the future. Thanks for the invite, and I really appreciate it because I've been a fan of them, and so to be part of it has been really cool. Awesome. And Adam, I'll see you on the next fucking show. (laughs) So So, thanks for listening. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.